Hi, everybody, and welcome. I'm Nina Crowley. I'm SICA's Professional Affiliations and Education Manager, and I'm here today with one of my favorite people in the world. This is Nate Stan, who is leaving two years as president of the ASMBS Integrated Health uh, section, and I am so grateful to him for all of our time together as leaders, and I just really wanted to kind of have you on to wrap up some of the messages from the most recent ASMBS meeting and just talk about what's going on. Well, thank you, Nina. I appreciate uh, the kind remarks and uh, your leadership within the field and the discipline of metabolic bariatric surgery and the treatment of the disease of obesity. Uh, so I'm excited to be on your uh, program today and talk a little bit about uh, my tenure as integrated health president uh, for ASMBS. Uh, it's been the most gratifying professional uh, and personal thing uh, that I've done uh, in my career. Um, it was so rewarding uh, to be able to meet so many high-level intellectual thinkers who are shaping our industry and continuing with the evolving space of the treatment of disease of obesity. And that was really where this meeting uh, was at a tipping point from where we have been before in the treatment paradigm with now looking at multimodal treatment and how we compare those to other disease processes. And correlating that to the treatment of the disease of obesity. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was the the title of the meeting was sort of collaboration. I've been now in, in this role with Sika. I've been to some of the other the medical meetings where I had been mostly in my niche with bariatric surgery. And so I've been really just so excited and impressed with how the, you know, the silos that typically had been practicing on their own are really kind of coming together. And I think that really just serves to benefit the patients who are mm -hmm. needing treatment. They need consistency. They need providers who talk to each other. And I think now we're finally seeing these treatment options, you know, closing that gap between nutrition, diet, exercise, lifestyle, and then the surgical option. It's been, I think, a really exciting time for all of this. It, it is a very exciting time um, for us as providers, but more importantly for patients because of the availability of options along that paradigm where maybe they need a lower, um, they meet a lower criteria for with the changing NIH guidelines for treatment uh, for pharmacotherapy and surgical therapy, but also the new designs with uh, developments of procedures, um, so less invasive procedures that also fill that gap that may be overlapping those paradigms with medication procedures and surgical interventions and postoperatively, post-surgical, helping optimize and fight against weight recurrence, um, I think is a model that then takes on a oncology type model where we can have patients coming in and out of different treatment modalities throughout the disease process because we know the disease process evolves as well. I think that has been probably the biggest change. I know I've been in the field since 2007 and, and you were you know, there before me, but I remember when I started, there was very much a feeling of last ditch effort. You kind of land at surgery and this is your only mm -hmm. chance to have, you know, this, this weight loss. And if you mess it up, you know, what else is there? And so to go from that to where we're actually really treating this as a spectrum, as, you know, multimodal, as, you know, mm -hmm. you might have surgery and you might take medication and 
there's really so much less judgment from the healthcare providers. Again, I think that benefits patients. And, and yeah, I think one of the sessions at the meeting that I was really excited about was sort of talking about it in the model of oncology and adjuvant therapy and really mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, we have this, we, we could talk a long time about the disease of obesity and the bias and all of that, but I think it's always been so interesting that for the majority of people who have overweight or, um, or who have obesity by the standards we're using to classify that, it's a majority of people. And so mm -hmm. how are we talking about something that most all of us have, and yet the treatment options are so limited and, and you know, not understood by the majority? Right. I think one of the um, main influences um, that is not a therapeutic result of, of the new evolution of pharmacotherapy and all of these new agents that are coming out, not only are they powerful medications from a weight loss and comorbidity improvement standpoint, they've also been a game changer in changing the landscape or the tipping point of social awareness and normalizing the conversation for patients against the bias on, on obesity mm -hmm. as a disease um, that is still there and we still need to fight that uh, for our patients every day, but it's allowed public perception and conversations to happen so that we can talk about safe, efficacious medications and surgical interventions for the long-term treatment of the disease of obesity. So really normalizing that conversation in the general public allows us to then have those conversations and patients to start the conversation or a provider to start the conversation with a patient. So coming in and talking about all the different options with the primary care doctor uh, or uh, advanced practice provider or the registered dietitian, behavioral health colleague, whoever they may be starting that conversation with, around their weight and their other comorbidities, I think is a great way to then talk about, hey, here are all these things and meet the patient where they are, educate them about the power of each of these treatments and, and the risks and benefits of each of these treatments and allow them to start their treatment therapy in a place that they feel comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And I know you've been super involved in all the, the facets, you know, with the ASMBS and working with the integrated health providers, as you said, I forgot to mention that you're a nurse practitioner and um, mm -hmm. <laughs> an advanced practice provider. And so I know that, you know, we've worked together on getting all of these healthcare providers involved in the care. And that to mm -hmm. me is actually another big, almost like a sub theme or lessons learned, right? So like we've been working on some of the stuff that we're hearing now in the media for years. And so it just don't think it got elevated to the public awareness because mm -hmm. surgery was perceived as such a, like such a niche population. They had to have such a high level of severity of the disease before, you know, becoming a candidate, which is, you know, not necessarily true, but mm -hmm. that was the perception for so long. And so now we're seeing medication, pharmacotherapy options for for a bigger majority of people. And I think people are starting to see some of the, the, the good and the bad and the hard that we've all been dealing with for years. So I know that the interdisciplinary care team is a, is a big part of that, right? Like we know oh, yes. what it takes to be successful 
for any you know treatment options for chronic disease of obesity. But I mean, we're really seeing, I think, a lot more of our integrated health providers being involved in that care and being respected. Yes, I, I agree with that, especially we've seen that transition in the field of surgical intervention for weight loss and metabolic bariatric surgery being a trailblazer in that regard of really bringing in the entire team um, because sometimes patients need more education around nutrition from the registered dietitian, or they need a pharmacological intervention uh, from a surgeon or physician or advanced practice provider, or maybe they need that behavioral health component because they have a significant life event going on that has impacted their access or availability or their stress or other reasons that influence um, their daily lives that then therefore influence um, their weight. I think other disciplines and other areas of treating this within the primary care practices, within uh, obesity treatment centers, especially with um, OMA in, in, in their way of treating patients, we're bringing in that multimodality thinking as well so that each of our disciplines can be talking to patients about the benefits throughout the continuum of care and bringing in to the medical standpoint, the behavioral and nutrition aspect as well. And, and talking about the surgical aspects, um, you know, if someone has been resistant um, to uh, certain medicines, they're just not a responder to certain medicines. And then talking about um, surgical intervention, or we, we need to add surgical intervention on, uh, and then talk about how that looks and how that transition of care between providers go as well, and making sure that the patient is the focus, patient-centered care uh, are some of the old uh, buzzwords that I think still ring true today of making sure we're understanding and meeting the patient where, where they are and understanding where they want to want to be. You know, it's not just weight loss, right, as, as Sika looks at in uh, okay. AMA and, and other um, professions look at BMI and weight and, and where that goes with disease process and, and helping a patient understand where we're trying to help them metabolically, but also something that, you know, I find extremely satisfying is, is getting a patient's quality of life back. Um, oh, yeah. If that's emotionally, if that's life-wise, I was talking with a patient yesterday who's pre-op and she was telling me how much walking she did, has done with her season pass at the amusement park, but she still has this fear and anxiety about getting on a ride and does she have to go and sit in the test ride to see if it's going to, she's going to fit or not. And so we talked about being that one being her non-scale victory um, to focus on as we go through this um, transformation for her health-wise, but also emotionally as well. Those are always, to me, the biggest and most exciting achievements. Yeah, and, you know, having people, I would always write down those pre-op goals because people can get really, um, you know, focused in and, and you know, as you said, on, on weight, 
and then they kind of lose focus of why they're doing this, right? And so mm -hmm. when you can bring it back to, well, well, your goal is to do this, get on the ground with your grandkids, you know, walk on an amusement park without people wondering, you know, if you're going to fit and, and all of those. And you can show someone how successful they are with those kind of more subjective type outcomes. That's huge. And yes. and now, you know, as, as you said, with Sika and our body composition solution, I think it's really been exciting to, to show people you know, the effects of preserving muscle mass during this weight loss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as people are aging and we're all losing muscle mass, being able to, you know, have these different goals or their visceral adipose tissue, right? Like really connecting mm -hmm. parameters that have meaning in someone's health and their health journey has been really cool. So yes. I, I yes. love that. Yeah, I love the fact of that you brought up about muscle mass too, and and really looking at, at preserving that for patients because when we have rapid weight loss, we're going to lose some muscle mass too, and that's important for overall health and weight maintenance, um, skeletal muscle or skeletal mass, um, you know, all those things. And we can have these conversations with patients now because we better understand the physiology and the impact, but we also have better tools to to monitor those as well. And, and all this helps us better educate the patient to focus on total health, total body, emotional, physical health uh, going through this process. And when to intervene. I know, I mean, at the meeting, you know, hearing from some of our dietitian colleagues who are able to you know, really work with patients on how to get that, you know, protein level up and, and consider their whole um, diet and eating pattern more than just, you know, I, I think, you know, we're, we're finally getting people away from the eat less exercise more paradigm, right? But sometimes people can say, well, just like eat more protein and, you know, start mm -hmm. resistance training. And so, you know, we know that all of our work involves, you know, how do, how do we operationalize that? How do we make that happen? Right. It's not a one size fits all approach. We're not, you know, able to just tell people, right? Like, this is why I went back to school for my psychology degree. You don't just tell people what to do and they do it. It's not that simple. Yes. I have two teenage sons. I've figured out very early on, you can't tell people what to do. Um, and and uh, we, I'll use a quote from one of my uh, behavioral health uh, colleagues, Dr. Lisa West Smith. We have enough trouble controlling our own behavior versus trying to control someone else's. Um, yeah. So what I try to do is understand, you know, where the patient wants to be um, in many different levels, not just um, physical health, but also emotional health and where, where they are at in their life, what's going on in their life, and really look at that to guiding whatever intervention we're using, if it's pharmacotherapy, if it's nutrition and exercise, if it's surgical intervention or surgical procedures, um, looking at understanding what they want and then weighing out the risks and benefits for them and allowing them to be a partner in ownership in their own decision-making. Um, instead of when I started this uh, well before 2008, uh, it was, thought to, oh we gave you this one powerful operation and you know you had this is was your only chance and we understand there's non-responders to certain things that we we need to look at there's weight recurrence um for many different reasons it's quite uh variable and so looking at all of those things and understanding where to intervene on that trajectory even post metabolic bariatric surgery knowing if we're off trajectory, what do we need to evaluate? You know, is there something mechanically going on? Is there something chemically going on? Do we need to add additional treatment? 
to keep that patient uh, moving towards success. Yeah, well, I think that's a good, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking really what we've both seen over the past two decades is that surgery and treatment for, you know, the chronic disease of obesity has become a safer space, right? Safer mm -hmm. from a surgical perspective, but also safer for people who come back. I, I love hearing the change in language from, you know, this point regain and the recidivism, which is a terrible yes. word, um, to talking about it as recurrence and really, you know, not just as a responder or non-responder to treatment, but what's next and who do we involve in the care? And you said transition of care and the, um, you know, all of that, I think, has been such a, mm -hmm. a welcome change, a change of the time. I think the multimodal treatment is really just going to get better. And so I think it's a safer place to be, to, to work and also for our patients. So I love that. Yeah. And I think the collaboration between all of our disciplines, not just within metabolic bariatric surgery, but within our um, obesity medicine colleagues and um, our registered dietitian colleagues with A&D who may not be directly involved in obesity treatment, but dealing with the disease with endocrinology and, and mm -hmm. other disease processes, we can really collaborate together and having these same unified messages in the different disciplines promoting the different treatments that are outside of their particular concentration really resonates with the general public and the patient that we are all here to offer solutions and help for the patient to get to where they want to be health-wise. And so I'm very excited about um, rising tides float all boats and, yeah. and helping us all work together. But one other thing that we haven't really talked about, I talked about being patient focused, but also with o the work that OAC has done um, over the past two decades, but more, more importantly, the recent um, change in, in medicine exposure and coverage has created, and then the movie with the whale and the work mm. that they've done there. And what I know, ASMBS as well as OMA and, and other, um, specialties are working on having the patient focus as part of their education, as part of their conferences, as part of their website education, I think is an important aspect so that we are always trying to understand where the patient's perspective is on this because we're talking about the medical treatment or the surgical treatment, and we need to make sure that the we're using the appropriate language and we're understanding the patient's needs and desires and how they want to define um, those things as well. Yeah. And I think the advocacy that goes along with that has been, you know, that's the long game for sure. And I know that, you know, now that we're, we've got newer options, we're advocating for including that, you know, just like you would with cancer treatment, right? Like people would be pretty up in arms if, you had cancer and did not have a treatment option available to you with your health insurance that you pay for. And so, you know, this is a disease that affects a whole lot more people in our country. And so how do we, how do we really work to change that awareness that, you know, we should be feeling that same angst towards insurance sure. when the, the insurance doesn't cover the option that you need for your chronic disease. And that for sure involves all the people, all the primary care, all the specialty, mm -hmm. you know, there's not enough obesity specialists to treat this disease that affects 
you know, 40 people with obesity, 40% of people with obesity, 70% of people with, you know, starting to experience, a, you know, excess um, excess weight or excess adipose tissue, however we're defining mm -hmm. it. Um, we've got to all band together and really advocate yes. for better options. And, and I think, uh, you know, working with all of the different uh, societies and, and working with our um, advocacies all starts locally, right? We need to work at, at our local levels and, and the national level is an important thing that we need to be unified on, but the local levels make it make that impact. Um, and the other impact that we're having is, is working with research and advocacy and education. Uh, and, and those are the core tenets of the new TRIO Foundation for the Treatment Research Education to End Obesity. And that foundation wants to be the next, you know, foundation just like the, the um, breast cancer awareness of really funding mm. research and education and advocacy to end obesity. And so we, we have a lot of positive changes going on, a lot of new developments. Uh, and so all of these groups working together uh, can really elevate uh, access to care for, for our patients. Well, I love that. Thanks, Nate. And, and I love the rising tide Floats all ships, right? Yeah. Did I get that right? <laughs> Floats all boats, all ships. Floats all boats. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. So I think that's I think that's a good um, a good point, kind of moving forward, and you know all the work that the ASMBS and the integrated health you know component of the ASMBS has done is is exciting, and I'm, I know you're happy to continue your work with the organization, mm -hmm. but to be able to hand off to our next leader and Stephanie yes. Sog, we're in good hands. She's been a, a longtime member and from a behavioral health perspective, I think we'll add um, a lot of value to the next the next crew for the upcoming years. Yes, so always having a, a great succession plan is important. Uh, and uh, when I did my transition with her, we talked about um, passing the baton like a like a relay race, mm. right? And so in order for that to be effective, we need to, the runner who is giving up the baton needs to run full speed through that transition area. And the next person needs to start running before they receive the baton. And you have to be in the same lane and thinking alike and working alike. And if it's done effectively with a good handoff, you can actually make ground up during that transition. And then my job now is to run across the infield, not run alongside Dr. Sog, but run across the infield and cheer for for her and then when she gets to her transition point so that we can keep building on the success of our predecessors and moving towards future growth and success. And I I foresee great opportunities with Dr. Sog and Heidi Bednarczyk after her and Kelly Armstrong. Uh, we have a great group of leaders um, that bring different attributes to our society. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about that. Yeah, well, and thank you for holding that baton a little extra. And um, I'm happy to stay, you know, part of ASMBS now with the corporate council and being in leadership, you know, for this organization that's sort of become our professional home and family. Yes, and we look forward to continuing our relationships with our corporate council members, our industry partners, and we need to make sure that Together, we are all trying to work and utilize the advancements in technologies uh, to help 
access for our patients and improve outcomes for our patients. So we appreciate your support, both as a healthcare professional and as an industry partner. Thank you, Nina. Sure. Well, hey, listen, I think, you know, you're ready for politics at this point, Nate. So I, you have my vote, but uh, I know you. I, I want to, you know, thank you again for coming on here and for all of your time. And hopefully um, we'll just continue to grow and yes. build and keep the race going. Is that a good There we go. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to keep it going. Uh, and it's a, it's a marathon. So we're going to have a relay on this marathon. So uh, I look forward to the next chapter and I look forward to another opportunity to get together and have conversations with you. All right. Well, thanks again, Nate. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.